I've never, I've never lost my passport before in my life, but I seem to have right now. Um, yeah, but it's like bummer. losing your virginity. It only needs to happen once so that you become one of those people that loses passports. <laughs> well, I, I guess I'm one of those people. I'm finally cool and I've, I've fucked via my passport loss now. <laughs> have you ever wondered why it is that we do what we do and who we do it with? Then this is a podcast for you. An exploration of human beings through systemic psychology and Unani biotypes with Rodrigo Garcia Plates, Ross Everett, and Brian McElhaney. This is Biotypical. Should we talk about the upcoming impending adventures of Biotypical? I mean, maybe. What the hell is that? If it happens. So there's been a dream ever since we started this podcast, which was that one day we would all be in Mexico City. Yep. And Rodrigo would take us around Mexico City and show us everything that that city has to offer in a way that only Rodrigo truly can. And we're on the two-yard line of that happening. And there's been a fumble. (laughs) There's been... I mean, there's, there's been a couple of setbacks because you guys don't seem to care about your passports and shit. But I've just learned that you don't need to have a passport to go to Mexico, according to You didn't learn. Some I people. told you that. Yeah, I learned it from you. <laughs> that, that's, I still learned it. That's kind of how the relationship goes. You tell Isn't them stuff learning you is? Yeah. You can't tell someone, like, I just learned something when they told you that thing. Well, I also kind of learned from Micaiah an hour before you told me. No, I, I asked you guys to call Micaiah. He told me to call Micaiah. <laughs> I still learn from Micaiah. <laughs> Brian, you know what it is? Brian doesn't realize that he's surrounded by angels that are like making sure that he doesn't like fall into gaps, like either Mr. Magoo or Baby's Day Out. What are you and talking about? You, you're like, I don't know what's going on. And then Rodrigo, and then I told Rodrigo, Brian doesn't know what's going on. And then he was like, well, check with Micaiah. I check with Micaiah. I branched you together with Micaiah. You learned from Micaiah. But there was a lot of like behind the scenes happening all the while. I feel also, like Maui in the movie. I feel like singing a song called You're Welcome yeah, for the very Wonderful sanguine. World You Know. <laughs> but there what is, is Rodrigo talking about? Who is the, Maui? The movie Moana. Oh, from Moana. Moana seems to be the movie. My friends with kids, like that's the soundtrack they I hear is like constantly being played. The way that like when we were kids, it was Aladdin, Lion King, Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast. Am I, I wrong like that those are those are way better musicals than modern day musicals? Oh, my son, my son can listen to "You're Welcome" from Moana a million times in a row. Yeah, I hear Moana is just the one that people blast. For their <sighs> yeah. But now. like, look, okay, can we can we hold up "Friend Like Me" from Aladdin to "You're Welcome" from Moana? It's like same here's, character, same I, song, right? But Ross, here's the diff, here's the issue: is that we were kids when we got those like implemented into our brains, so it holds a nostalgia factor that's almost impossible for us to discern objectively what's. This, you like, know what you better. do? You you sit a kid down from scratch and you play him each, and you see which which earworm he sings but or she's doing. I just did. I tried. Everything. My you tried kid Aladdin? Likes two things. I tried Aladdin. I tried everything. He doesn't really like music. So well, I he doesn't mean, like he, One Direction. You're right. Your kid is uh, maybe I, I, maybe music is in his thing. I played One Direction for my son. He doesn't like it. I love him. But <laughs> I played every Disney movie, all of them, and he only likes three songs that I play in loops for him when it comes to Disney movies. One, uh, Let It Go from Frozen. He mm-hmm. loves. Uh, number two, uh, I don't know the name of this one in English. Uh, 
I Can't Wait to Be King by I, The yeah, Lion King. That's yeah, yeah. It. Just you Can't it. Wait to Be King. Mm -hmm. There you go. Uh, that's the only one that he listens to in Spanish. And the third one is Thank You from Moana. Everything else, my kid doesn't like screens. Like, he doesn't watch TV. He hates Ooh, it. Good. He gets distracted because we never exposed him to screens because we read the research. Yeah, good. Um, so, like, even if I give him my phone, all he likes is a camera to take pictures of himself. And he doesn't know that he's taking pictures of himself. He just likes pressing the red button. There's a red... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The clicker. And, yeah. and, and there's one other song, and this song, I promise you, is magical. It's called Happy Song. And if I'm not mistaken, it used to be like a band that played amazing music that you've heard in the past. Um, okay. But this song is, they say, I'm not sure if this is true, but they say that it was scientifically created to calm down children. What is it? What is it? Like, who, what is it? I'm trying Happy to Happy by right Pharrell now. by Imogen Heap? Yep. What? She and went I, from the Garden State soundtrack to children's music? And I love it. Like, it's so good. And even the, the video that they did of it. And they gave it to families first to see how kids reacted. And every noise, everything is supposed to be scientifically, like, worked into the song. And I promise you, my kid can listen to, like, he can be crying his eyes out, screaming. And as soon as he starts listening to the song, he calms down like nothing happened. It's got, like, binaural beats in it or something like that? I have no idea. Can I play a bit of it? Yeah. Yeah, sure. He oh, just wait. falls asleep. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it, it's literally made to calm them down. Here it is. It's already upsetting me. What? Her voice does it for me. It's beautiful. Yeah. Helicopter <laughs> and airplane. Okay. Do you know the psychology behind it, Rodrigo? I have no idea because I haven't done my research, but there's a few things that, that I already picked up on because I know that they work with my kid. Like, it starts with another baby's laughter. So it, like, it's like a mirroring thing? Yeah, yeah chill, like babies mirror everything. And, they, and if you mirror them, they start like developing way more. Like one of the most important games that you can play with a kid is mirroring them and, and then asking them to mirror you. That's, that's how they learn. That's how my kid started like speaking. And if we, if we want them to eat something, when he, it, took, it took him a while to take things with his hands and put, put them in his mouth. And all we had to do is sit in front of him for like an hour and just grab everything and bring it to our mouths and bring it to our mouths. And then he repeated it. So first the laughter, then the kiss. The That's what every adult does to a baby when they love them. Like I kiss my baby a million times a day. Sometimes he hates me because of my beard, but I still kiss him. And there's like very specific little noises. Like kids like things like, And it has a lot of those. I like that noise too. And there, there's, a, there, there's a scene in the clip where, there, where there's a bird, like there's three of these like funny fuzzy characters on, a, on an air balloon. And, and this really skinny bird is going through. And because the song goes, 
that that bird just like it's really skinny and then just becomes a ball. <laughs> like, uh-huh. like you just gave it, he just gave Alka Seltzer to a bird or something, and it goes like, <laughs> and you see the faces of all the other three characters, like all confused, <laughs> like what the hell did just happen? And that's exactly what babies do. They go like, okay, that was weird. Is it okay? I guess it's okay. Okay. So there's like many particular little things. I would have to do more research, but I, I see how it works. Nothing comes comes him down like that song. Hmm. This reminds me of, I was just doing some research really quick because it was shown to me um, back in 1997, it turns out, they did this big, uh, I think, I guess, poll with a lot of people saying what they loved in music and what they hated in music. So they created two songs, the most wanted song and the most wow. unwanted song. Wow. And the most wanted song is like really generic. It's so bad. Um, it's, I mean, they're describing, it was in 97, so it's like Celine Dion-esque and there's a saxophone, electric guitar, bass, piano, drums. I think it's just sort of like follows the basic chord structure of most songs. The most unwanted song is like, I think it's like 20 minutes long and it includes uh, out of tune accordions and bagpipes, a rapping cowboy <laughs> opera singer and a children's <laughs> choir that urges listeners to shop at Walmart. Wait, wait, it's like a rapping cowboy. Yeah, a rapping cowboy, but he's rapping opera. <laughs> And it's like, it's like all the things people say they hate, but for some reason that is like, a, it's a pretty ambitious, fun song, whereas the one that everyone loves or the most wanted song sucks. So um, I don't Weird. know what that says. Well, music is affected by the same psychological problem that we have in relationships, which is we like things that are predictable and we like things that go to the next place that we want them to go to. And... Well, that's why a lot of people don't enjoy jazz because jazz is unpredictable and it's an acquired taste. What about and people who do enjoy jazz? No, it's is that a red flag? Like they like unpredictable relationships? Not necessarily because maybe they just acquire the taste in music mm. and, and now they feel in control because once you learn jazz, it, it becomes predictable too. The thing yeah. is, it's not the typical predictable system of, of do mi sol like the, the, that, that first chord, right, right. which is really interesting because I don't know if we, if we, if we talked about this in the past, but do, mi, sol, uh, do you know what, what those notes are? One, three, five. Yes. Uh, one, three, five, because you guys use numbers for some reason, um, are the most calming, uh, like chord, that, yeah. that there is. And that's why when you walk into a casino, even all, even though all the machines are making noise at the exact same time, it's not, it's not overwhelming because all the chords that they play, like all the notes that they play are one, three, five. Are they in the same key? All the machines? Does yeah. Casino? I never thought about all that. All of the machines. That's oh, why that's they can so... all be going on at the same time. And all you feel oh, is this brilliant. massive chord. Oh, I don't I know why I've never really noticed cool that. Of course that's one, true. Like, like half what? a step. And drop one of half course a, that's true. Because if it was yeah. all out of key, you'd go crazy. It would be, be exactly. like bananas. You'd be like, happening? I gotta get out of here rather than like, huh, I feel like kind of elated. There's some there's a feeling about walking into a, an active casino that feels just like, ooh, like it's adult Disneyland. Oh, I love it. There's casinos. three things. There's three three things that are mandatory in a good casino. One, all, all of their machines are in the same chord. Two, there's no right. windows. 
Three, mm-hmm. there's extra oxygen coming out of mm-hmm. the stuff, though, yes. the venting system. Oh, I've That's played Blackjack until 5.30 a.m. being like, yeah. oh, is it, what, is it midnight? What the fuck? Oh, How am guys, I? let's do that. Let me finish the story about what we're trying to do, and then let's plan our next vacation that may or may not happen. Rodrigo's <laughs> the only one that can have international travel right now. Yep. Um, but anyway, so Brian, I think that you should do this Tijuana thing. I think that walk that'd be into a very Tijuana. Fun, yeah, walk into Tijuana. I think that'd be a really fun adventure. Uh-huh. Um, what better to do the day after Halloween than walk into Tijuana and then see if you can make your way to Mexico City? That's what I've always said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you made it from El Paso to California. Did we ever tell that story on the podcast, by the way? Just just a little bit. Like, oh, Brian really? was, was very careful to censor everything he didn't feel right. comfortable sharing. Yeah, yeah, But it'll go into his next one-man show. So anyway, he's saying get tacos on the way. <laughs> and I, my passport's expired, so I have to fly to El Paso, Texas for a day to have this interview, get my passport printed. I mean, fingers crossed everything goes according to plan. And if I'm perfectly honest with myself, there's a part of me that's like a little excited that all of this is happening this way. I'm, I'm a little stressed, but part of me is like, fuck yeah, like something's happening. You know, I get to go to El Paso on a, on a whim, you know, and, and I, I think people think that <laughs> happiness is when things run smoothly, but I think we're built for obstacles. Yeah, I, I do the best when it's like shit hits the fan. Did I, did I ever tell you guys the story of um, my, my clown school, like even getting to clown school in France? I don't think I've ever told yes. this to you guys. Yes. Yeah? I don't no. know the story of getting to clown school. <laughs> no, you haven't. This was bonkers. So there's a website called skiplagged.com. Oh, yeah, you skiplagged all the time. So skip, yeah. yeah. What the hell is this that? Is, Oh, Skip don't use it internationally. I'm, I'm about to tell you. Here's the, the lesson I learned after the fact of the story I'm going to tell you. Don't use it internationally, but skiplag.com is a way to get really cheap flights um, by they will find like a layover city on a longer trek. The only thing is like you can't check a bag because if you're trying to get to Miami, there might be a really cheap flight that goes to, I don't know, Toledo, Ohio, and Miami just happens to be the layover. You hop on the, the Toledo, Ohio flight, but you just get off the plane when it's in Miami, when you get to Miami. You wouldn't be able to check a bag. So when I decided that I was going to go to clown school in France, I was looking at the cost of tickets, and I was like, they're like $2,000 tickets just to get to France. And I was like, well, no way I'm doing that. But I found a really cheap skip lag flight for $500 to Moscow, Russia. Now, I'm like, I'm brilliant. I skirted the system. So here I am going to get on the plane to Moscow. And they're like, where's your visa? And I'm like, my what? And they're like, you need a visa to fly to Russia. And I went, well, uh, this flight has a layover at Charles de Gaulle. Welcome to how everybody feels when they're traveling to the States. For real. I mean, like, I I wish, I'm not opposed to the visa process, but it's so funny, like, as a, a, a novice traveler, I had no idea about it, right? So I was like, okay, I don't, I don't know what this thing is. Maybe visas for other people, whatever, whatever. So they won't let me on the plane. Wow. They won't let me on this plane because I don't have a Russian visa. And I go, okay, but this flight is definitely going to Charles de Gaulle. They're like, yes. And I'm like, okay, how much is a ticket? And they're like, $2,500. And I'm like, motherfucker. And I need to go to, I need to get on this plane because it's like the last one before my class, yada, yada, yada. So I say, fuck it. And I just, like, I remember the, the moment that it clicked. I remember the fuck it moment. I'm just going like the, oh, what the fuck, do whatever it takes. I just put down a credit card. I just gotten a new credit card. I'm like, okay, well, I'm about to max this thing out getting to France. <laughs> 
I put down the credit card. I get on the plane. I'm sitting on the plane. I'm like, okay, well, I just learned a really expensive lesson. (laughs) But here's the interesting part, because that plane never takes off. What? We're sitting on the runway for like 20, 30 minutes, and I'm like, what is going on? The captain gets on. He's like, hey, so uh, we have uh, a little (laughs) bit of a problem uh, with uh, one of the engines. We're waiting for a tool. The only tool that we have is in Houston, Texas. So we're just going to wait for that to get here. And I'm like, I'm going to miss my class anyway. So they let us all off the plane and they say, look, if you guys want a refund, we'll give you a refund. So I get both tickets refunded, the original one to Moscow that I bought and the second one that I just bought. And I was able to book another flight the next day. I missed one day of class. But the lesson that I learned was, A, make sure that you have a, a working visa if you need one. And two, like there was just that moment of like, I don't, I don't fucking care anymore. And I've only had a couple of moments. I'm wondering if this is like a phlegmatic thing because they say with phlegmatics, like we have foggy minds and we need to have a lot of activity and a lot of exercise. Um, and when I'm kind of going slow in malaise, my brain seems to be foggier. But when I'm like, everything is being thrown at me, I seem to kick into a higher gear. And I feel like that's happening right now with this Mexico trip. Because Yeah, because you get excited and it feels like it's already part of the road trip. It's already part of the experience. There's also no, no, like, it's, it, I can't analyze. That's as a much 5% as I want to analyze. sanguine in you. It, I'm, I'm, I'm like, it feels kind of sanguine a little bit. Like, I can't exactly. analyze. It, it knocks me out of my analyzer and it, like, kicks me into this. I can't think about it. I'm going to El Paso. I'm like, whatever. I have to book the ticket. I just went on. I booked it. Like the moment I stopped looking for the best deal, the moment I stopped looking for like whatever, I'm just like, get me, get me there. I don't care what it takes. Get me there. So I'm flying to El Paso. No, actually, here's the real trip. I'm flying to Arizona. I'm going backpacking for three days. I'm going to Sedona to spend a couple of days with my family. Then I'm flying to El Paso, flying back to Los Angeles, and then flying to Mexico. It's, wow. it's like, it's a lot. And I, I have all of my documents organized, like I'm ready to rock and roll to get this passport. And it feels like I'm on a mission. It feels pretty cool. I love that. That, like, that, that feels like the life I love. Just like that fast acting. I, I hated love- it at first, but then I clicked in and like, there was definitely a part of me that got excited. That, and that's like, exactly how sanguines are productive. Like they get last to that minute, stage. I have no and other last choice. Last minute, yeah. they get everything done. Yeah. Like I had this experience once. Uh, I was going to do a samurai game in LA. And I forgot to purchase a ticket for some reason. I was busy with other stuff. And the day before, I was like, I need to get my ticket. And the only ticket that got me there in time was with a layover in, in Monterrey. And because I have a bunch of friends there, my dad's from there, I was like, oh, perfect. Like, I'll fly today. I'll spend the night there. I'll see a bunch of friends. And the next day in the morning, I'll just fly straight to LA. And, and I'll, I'll be there in time for my training. So... Uh, the problem is, oh no, wait, um, I, I get to Monterrey, I party with a few friends, I was still in my 20s, and then, oh, surprise, surprise, I overslept like a good sanguine, and I missed my flight from Monterrey to LA. I run to the airport, and all they have is a flight to Vegas. <laughs> and I go like, you know what? Fuck it, whatever. I'll, I'll, I'll go to Vegas and I'll find a way. There must be like some sort of shuttle. I knew they had like Tesla Model X's that pick you up in Texas and take you, not in Texas, in Vegas and take you to LA. And I'm like, perfect. Uh, I get to Vegas, uh, look for a flight. There's none. Look for a shuttle. There's one. But my training is in four hours. 
and and the shuttle leaves in five. And I'm like, oh my God, there's no way. I have no idea how I'm going to do this. Um, I start like enrolling everyone in the world. Finally, I find in a different terminal from another airline, a ticket that they couldn't sell me because of something I believe is called the fourth privilege, which is how foreign airlines cannot pick up people from different cities within a foreign country. Like, for example, Aeromexico might fly Mexico, LA, Japan, but they can only sell tickets Mexico, LA and Mexico, Japan. They cannot sell tickets from LA to Japan because that, that's something that the US and every country protects so that foreign like airlines cannot can't steal the business. Exactly. Can't yeah. steal the, the business. So it, it was, I think it was a Canadian airline that, that, that was doing that flight and they couldn't sell me the ticket. I had to enroll like 10 different people. They ended up putting me on the plane uh, with someone else's name that didn't arrive. And I, they got me on the plane. I got to I got to LA. I was in the airport, and usually the trainings that I that, that I that I do in LA are usually either in La Mirada when they're in Spanish or in LAX if, if they're in English. And <sighs> this one was downtown LA for some very weird reason. So I got into an Uber and I told the guy, I need to be downtown LA, like in downtown LA in 45 minutes. It was rush hour. It was like, we have, the, the training started at eight. Uh, no, it started at seven and it was like six something. And I told him, I'll give you $300 if you get me there in time. And the guy looked at me and said, are you sure? Like, you can't complain about my driving. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, let's do it. Um, I feel like I lost confidence in life for a while. Like I was sure I was going to die a couple of moments, <laughs> but the guy got me there in time, drifted, drifting the car and driving like fast and furious. Like this guy obviously had some massive skill and he was just going in the wrong lane, crazy ways. We arrived. I give him the money. I look at him and he seemed so confident when he was driving and I was in the backseat. When I give him the money, he turns around. I look into his eyes and see all of his sweaty face. And I go like, we could have died, right? And the guy goes like, yes, like 100%. And there were like five times that I was not in control of this car. And I was like, okay, I don't tell me like that. I want to see like a James Bond scene where it ends that way. And then like James Bond just sweating. He's like, I can't believe I did that. I got like 50 donuts. What the fuck? I can never do that again. I can't believe I'm still alive. I, I know, but I got there in time. There's definitely a couple of times. I like, like, where I've just been like, you're, you're in the middle of the adventure. You're like, okay, here we go. Like when I, I hitchhiked from um, a small farm town in, in France to Paris, I missed the last train and, uh, I, I, and I don't speak French at all. Like I don't speak Spanish, but I don't speak French more. You know, I had to hitchhike. <laughs> I had to get a group of people together. I don't speak Spanish, but I don't speak French more. <laughs> like, yeah. Like if, you know, like I can understand bits and pieces of Spanish. With French, it is alien to me. They are using different parts of their mouth and throat than I knew existed. It is, it just, I can't even, <laughs> like, it, like for whatever reason in France, hand gestures don't make sense to me. But anyway, like I, I got there somehow. It was very I'm enjoying strange. this story yeah. so much. <laughs> there's one. There's one thing I want to talk to you guys about. 
Um, there's yeah. this guy becoming extremely fashionable in Mexico. And, and I want to see what you guys think. Yeah. Um, now, Google this. So, Rosa, how do you pronounce that? Rosarine? Rosarine. It's Diego, Ros Diego Rosarine. Now, he lives in Mexico. He lives, I believe, in Monterrey. And he has taken social media by storm in Mexico. And I find him fascinating. Now, the first really interesting thing is he's Brazilian. He speaks perfect Spanish. He was probably taken to, to like, brought to Mexico when he was really young. The thing is, it's not his academic formation because he's not a philosopher. In fact, I think like he has one or two degrees that have nothing to do with what he says. But dude, like I don't remember having seen someone uh, that can break people down uh, and and use philosophy to understand why they do what they do the way they this guy does it. But he has a. Does big he do what problem. you do? What does he do? Does he work with people? No, no, no. All he has is a YouTube channel. I think I think he uh -huh. owns like a like a very sophisticated food, either restaurant or industry system delivery, whatever. Um, uh, for example, what you just what you just opened there uh, in Spanish it says muchos confunden hoy el derecho a opinar sobre todo con la necesidad de opinar sobre todo. Like this is not a very deep one, but it says a lot of people are confused today with their, between their right of having an opinion about everything to the need to have an opinion about everything. Okay, yeah. So wait, so, so he that, just that, offers, he's just like a, is a motivational dude who like when it, says philosophical not really, things. Not really, because he seems pessimistic and, and he's been destroying Mexican coaches left and right. And I actually really enjoy it. There's this business guy in, in Mexico that I didn't even know existed. Uh, I think Carlos Muñoz. And, and he was obviously big, but I had no idea he existed. And he's like, let's become millionaires together and things like that. Um, and this guy destroyed him. But the, the thing is, he destroys you with philosophy uh, because he, he, doesn't, he doesn't make it personal. But for example, someone starts saying, well, I think that capitalism is blah, 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 blah. And, and, and then he looks at him and he goes like, oh, so you're existentialist. And the guy goes like, well, no, but I also think blah, blah, blah. And he goes like, well, but that contradicts what you said first because that actually sounds more like this. Is this guy fake uh, fire? Of course he's a fake fire. He's Does a he massive fake fire. Yeah, I, I know those. There's like some people on the dark web kind of like that in America. And sometimes I'm like, this is cool because you're sort of like taking down the hypocrisies of how people speak. And sometimes I'm like, you're sort of just being a bully and like making people that's, feel bad about like the way in which they're interpreting their life. How, where but does that's he exactly, land? But that's exactly the thing. Like I, I feel like... Because he's a fake fire, he can get away with certain things. Remember how we never feel threatened by fake fires? Like it, it, even though he can be extremely incisive with the things that he's saying, uh, it never feels like it's going to become a fist fight. If he were choleric, like he would have had his ass kicked a million times by now. Mm -hmm. um, but for some strange reason, no, no, one, no one feels like he's being physically aggressive in any way because he's phlegmatic. Um, but he is as incisive as a fake fire. But I feel like he's a really interesting human being. And I was thinking that maybe I can get in touch with him and invite him to the podcast. I'm pretty yeah, sure he speaks English. Like if he speaks Portuguese and Spanish, I'm pretty sure he speaks English. That'd be really cool. And he's a very interesting human being that has been like growing in, in media in Mexico. He had like 500,000 followers, I believe. That's cool. 
Very um, interesting. I'm also at looking same, at his social media strategy. And I'm like, this is cool. How long are these little videos? We should have YouTube videos. Oh, that's that. Yeah, they're lives. He does lives. Yeah. Yeah. And if you look at the titles of his lives, like this one's called Freedom and Knowledge. Uh huh. And if you open other ones, I can tell you. He all even the names. does your beard thing. He touches his beard. No, he doesn't do the beard thing. Everybody that has a beard does that. We like it's a, it's a, it's a Spanish saying. Barba tienes y en ella te entretienes. What is you guys have a saying for literally every yeah, mundane little thing? Because that's how our language works. It's beautiful. It's like philosophical stuff about like the way you hold the fork. It's nuts. It's like for <laughs> tiny things, you have these beautiful sayings that feel so much bigger than what the actual action or thing is. What does the beard one mean? The beard one means barba uh, tienes means when you have a beard. Uh, like it sounds beautiful in Spanish in English it won't sound that beautiful but in, in English it would mean it would mean something like when you have a beard you will entertain yourself with it <laughs> yeah it doesn't quite have the ring in English I still like it what is this one what is this one called um, that it I says, pulled up it says critical theory against conspiracy theories okay that's cool Interesting. And he's like going it's on like interesting. a speaking tour. Yeah. And at the same time, I've seen him and like, I just discovered him a few days ago, but I, I, I saw him in this live that he did with two of his friends and a PhD in philosophy from the Complutense of Madrid in Spain. Like a guy with like 22 published books. And this guy goes in a tete-a-tete with the other guy mind-blowingly. And and here's what I find what what I would why I would love to invite him. I feel like he can philosophically explain many things in ways that I'm not a philosopher. Uh, that 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 are that would be interesting. Not that we would necessarily agree with, but he would bring a lot to the table. And at the same time, I can see a chip on his armor, and I would love to support him with it. <laughs> no, you want to because. Break. You want to fucking <laughs> get him where it hurts. I, I don't want to break him. The thing is, I have a. I, I used to have a friend who's like a clone of this guy. And my friend used to be that overweight and they, even their nose, their eyes, they look so similar. I'm going to look for a picture of him and show you. Uh, but my friend was so arrogant that I, at some point, decided that it just wasn't healthy to have a relationship with him. He destroys relationships left and right. And I was like, dude, I'm sorry. Um, and I feel like this guy is almost an identical twin that that actually learned a lot, uh, read a lot, and chose a different path where he's not as arrogant and aggressive, even even though he is intellectually hostile. He is. And it's funny to watch him break down people because most people he's breaking down have no idea how he's destroying them. Like some of them think that they're having a nice conversation and as I guess up until they watch the whole thing again, they go like, oh my God, this guy was calling me like the most ignorant human being ever. And I didn't even realize it Mm. Um, because he's very phlegmatic and soft about it. But I feel like it's interesting. And I feel like he has something amazingly powerful to offer, especially in Latin America right now. He has a very privileged understanding of Latin America uh, because he's Brazilian and lives in Mexico and has traveled all over. Um, but at the same time, I feel like until he understands his water and finds a way to connect with people, not just with an arrogant intellect, but with his phlegmatic, watery connection, this guy could really be something. Like, this guy could really make a difference. So that's why I was interested. I was like, maybe like he can give us something that's really interesting, and maybe we can support him a little bit with using his right superpower. 
All right, let's get Ruzerin on the podcast. R U Z Z A R I N. I have a question. Yeah. Just thinking about the idea of like people sort of becoming, um, I mean, I guess this guy is, I would not call him an influencer, but he's a person who, you know, speaks and people listen and he philosophizes. And that's, there's a lot of people I follow online that do that. Comedians are that. I was going to ask, is there a way to think of each biotype? And ways to speak to have people listen to you. I think about this sometimes where it's like, if I'm at like a big, if I'm in a big group setting and I'm like mm-hmm. yelling, like, hey, everyone, like, shut up, I wanna say something. Yeah. People, often people don't. And then like a sanguine friend of mine will be like, hey, shut the fuck up. And then it's like, zoom. And I'm like, <laughs> I was yelling as loud as you. What just happened? But it's like, is there a way that like, like specific biotypes, it's like how to get people. Like to listen, but then not to be too fearful. Like, for example, I bet a choleric could easily get people to like shut up, but they would go too far and they'd be like, I'm scared. Or it's like, how do you, how does each biotype present themselves where people are most likely to listen? Well, I can start by giving you this example of, of how it works all the way around. So, for example, when I'm doing big trainings for hundreds of people, I, I repeat myself a lot uh, and I repeat myself using different energies. Mm. So to give you an example, if we finish like a very confrontational, cathartic exercise and they just realized very deep stuff about themselves, first I say everything I want them to remember. Um, I wouldn't say screaming, but in a powerful, loud, like commanding voice. I know that in that instant, I lose 50% of the audience. The powerful people, people that have controlling and promoting personalities, the people that have dominant and influencing personalities, if we are using the DISC study of personality, they are listening. They're like, oh my God, he's angry. Like what, what the hell just happened? And they're really paying attention and they're like, oh yeah, we screwed up. Like we clearly screwed up. But everyone that has a soft personality, like people that are analyzers and supporters, we call them, but if we want to use the DISC again, like steady and compliant people, um, when you start screaming at them, they immediately go like, why is this person screaming? What did I do wrong? And they don't listen to anything. They mm. just feel the aggression and go like, oh my God, head down. I have no idea what's happening. I don't, I have no idea what we did wrong. And then I repeat the whole thing that I just did very softly and very emotionally. Like it would be the difference between saying, if you carry on doing this with your life, where the hell will you end up? I just lost all of the soft people, uh, but the powerful people are really listening. And then right after I do that, I get closer to the mic and I go like, what the hell are you doing with your life? Like, wh- where the hell do you think you're going to end up if you carry on living like this? And then when I'm speaking like that, the powerful people are not listening to me anymore. Like they're already in their thoughts and thinking of their lives and blah, blah, blah. And the soft people start going like, oh, this is why he was screaming. Like this makes total sense. So usually when I have a big crowd, um, I, I, I use the two levels, like when, for the dominant people and the easygoing people. Uh, but what you're asking has to do with when you are the one speaking and you want the people to listen to you. Yeah. And And I believe that the secret when it comes to that is understanding how their biotype perceives your biotype. So if, if a sanguine or a choleric are not listening to you, dude, explode and prove your strength 
that will make them take you seriously and really pay attention. It's like when, when a little kid starts getting angry for the first time and goes like, listen to me. And the parents go like, oh my God, look at the kid, what just happened? And they're really paying attention. Uh, but as a melancholic, if you're talking to phlegmatics and they're not paying attention, that means that you're not being emotionally seductive enough for them. Just be yep. a victim. <laughs> Just be a victim. <laughs> Just manipulate the hell out of them. No, because you'll make them fake fires. But like open up, say like, like uh, I shouldn't give you like such manipulative tricks. But if, if you're in front of a, of a phlegmatic, Uh, and they're not really paying attention to what you say, all you need to do is say something like, I've never shared this with anyone. Boom. Like, you have 1,000% of their attention right now. In fact, for anyone who's listening Ross, to, to this podcast... I've never shared this with anyone, but will you give me all your cryptocurrency? No, but you can't do it like that. It's, it's like this. It's, let, let me show you how it works. Ross. <laughs> Why am I the guinea pig here? <laughs> Because you're the phlegmatic. So, <laughs> see, so, look at this. Look at this. We need to make this a video podcast soon. Well, yeah, we're recording but, this with good mics now. so Exactly. Sure. Sponsor us. So um, you would have to look at Ross and go like, I don't think I've ever given anyone permission to support me in my life. I feel so bad even asking for help. Like my ego's killing me right now. I feel like the weakest human being. But I'm not doing well lately, and, and I've, I've been having problems. Can, can you please send me a little crypto that I could sell in Mexico? Oh. That'd be a, that'd be a real hard no to say. <laughs> I would go, if you asked me, I'd be like, yeah, talk to Ross. <laughs> you know I know, because that's not how you get it from a melancholic. What's the approach with a melancholic? With a melancholic, you, you need to make it logical. So if I wanted Brian to do this, it would need to sound like this. So Brian, um, help me make sense of this. Um, I feel like the market in Mexico uh, is, is just getting started with crypto. And a lot of people are getting into it. And the prices are being pushed because Mexicans are just finding out about this. I think if you send me your crypto... I, I am sure that I can get you an amazing price for it and, and I can make a little profit. I'll, I'll, I'll just get a, like a little 10%, uh, but I'm pretty sure I can get you 20% more of what you would be getting in the States. Yeah, also that my promoter is like, is a little bit of a gambler, so I'm like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> you know what's interesting is the combination of those two I think works better than me because if you gave me that whole thing, I would have been like, this is the most irresponsible way. <laughs> Like, because if someone had, had put themselves into a hard spot and they were asking me for something, I think I would want to be in control. Like, I'd be like, okay, here's what I'm willing to support with. Right? Unless they make you feel like you're the only person that they're asking support from because you have a special place in their relationship. But even if that was it and they were like, can you send me crypto? I'd be like, no, like there's another thing I could do to, to I know, support, I just you know? use crypto because I, I was using Brian's example. Good old <laughs> Lords is sending you crypto right now, Brian. Um, <laughs> oh, beautiful. Okay, yeah. so let's see. Let's let's keep going through this. Let's do uh, let's do sanguines. Yeah, how do you get money from a sanguine? <laughs> you get money from a sanguine. <laughs> you can't. Sanguines have no money. <laughs> They spent it on. It's already locked up in other investments and experiences. Okay, say you you catch a sanguine on a on those like 10 minutes before they spend their money. 
that they just happen to fall into. Uh, it's the easiest thing in the world. Like, <laughs> Can all I you have would need. Money? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. All you would need to do is invite them. So, all you would need to do is go, like, let's imagine that Brian is a sanguine. Uh, so okay. that Roz doesn't feel like the only guinea pig here. So <clears throat> it would sound like this. Brian, I just got tickets to the most exclusive thing, like the most exclusive comedy event in the world. They, they were sold out a year ago and, and I just got them and, and I need to pay them, but I don't have the money and I have two tickets. Uh, like, can we go together and, and can you just sponsor me the money? I'll find a way to pay you back at some point. But dude, this, this is going to be mind-blowing. We just need to pay for them. Yeah, it, it's true. Like, as much as it kind of works on me, there is a part of me that's like, thank you for telling me. I'm going to go now on my own with my ticket. Uh, you don't have access to the tickets. Only I do. I'll find a way. Right. <laughs> that but, I don't know why that worked on Dan. No, though. Dan's I, 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 no I, I'm kind of convinced that, that actually just sounds fun in general. I feel like, but I could see. I know, but at the same time, you're not a sanguine. But if you say that to a sanguine, the sanguine's not going to make a melancholic strategy like I'll find them on my own. No, the sanguine's going to go like that sounds fun, and I have money. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. All right, now the big one. Yes, cholerics and firewaters, fiery people. The fires. The fires. Um, for them, it's very easy. Just just make them feel like you don't want to receive anything from them. Well, so <laughs> how do you make someone feel like they, you don't want... Like, just... All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a shot at this. Ready? Okay. I don't need your money. Don't... I mean, like, I don't, I'm not, I don't need your help. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I don't need your help. There's... Uh, so that's good. I'm a random cleric on the street and you just walked up and said that to yeah. me. Hey, I don't know about... Huh? But you, but <laughs> you need to do it. Why, why are we turning this episode into manipulation techniques for every biotype? Because now uh, we're talking about something interesting <laughs> that everyone wants to know. <laughs> people were like, what... People are listening like, what's Ruzani? Who are we talking about? They're looking at yeah. Batman. I can't see shit. Now we're talking about things they can actually use. <laughs> so... Um, your, your way of asking has to be dismissive of them. Even in marketing, they call this a backdoor, and it's perfect for fiery people. So if you're a controlling choleric, all I would need to do, Ross, is ask you something like this. Um, I would need to go and, go and tell you something like, dude, I have this project. I feel like it's going to be amazing. Do you know anyone that, that's like really smart and has the contacts and the money to, to like make this happen with me because I, I feel like I'm going to go to the stars and beyond. Ooh, that is like, so do you know any big whales that, that are smart, connected, powerful and have the money? Because then the choleric is going to think like, why are you not asking me? That means that you don't consider me powerful, connected with money and smart. And they'll go, they'll, most of them will usually go like, I can do that. Like, I'll do it with you. <laughs> and, and usually in marketing, they call wow. that the back door. That's true. Because it's like, Walking up to someone and, and saying, I have an amazing opportunity, not for you, but yeah. maybe you know someone. Yeah. 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 If you're, if you, yeah, if you know anyone that is like, ego. you know, a really good business person and has a lot of wherewithal, maybe like mentors some people, um, we've got a really good opportunity. So just let me know if you hear of anybody that's competent. Um. And by the way, Reed, our, our resident cleric, said, just said, that would work. Would work. <laughs> I'm telling you. Let's call this oh, the manipulation so episode. so tricky. Yeah, I, that is, I, I mean, I just think like, in, I feel like that could work to some degree on anyone if you just sort of, whatever their Achilles heel is, you know, exactly. comedy, you know, if I was like, 
someone came up and was like, Ro, we need someone to like facilitate this amazing like group of people. It's like going to pay huge. It's like televised. Do you know anyone? Like that would be, would that like ignite your ego, Ro? Or would you be like, nah, they're fucking with me. If someone said something like that to you. I would probably go like, uh, yeah, there's this, there's this one guy that's probably the best in the world. <laughs> and, and they would tell me like, oh my God, can you give me his number? And I would tell them, yeah, you just called him. <laughs> I would make it a joke or something yeah, like that yeah. and go like, what the hell are you playing that at? Um, but wait, but there's a different approach because else. if they make it seem like it's below you. Yeah. Yeah, then yeah, you, yeah. yeah. Like I was thinking about that where if it's like, look, we've got this gig, it's way below what you're, you know, what you're interested in. We, you know, do you know anyone that would want to do it? You'd, you'd start to think about who else you might but be if able you to say, recommend. But you don't say this is way below you. That, no. that would be killing the trick. Yeah, yeah. You need to say it in a way that it sounds like you don't think they're powerful enough. Yeah. I'm looking for someone to uh, come in and do a corporate event, like got to be really high end, really uh, like, you know, n- know their shit, have it down and be able to like woo an audience of, of about 150 executives. Do you know someone? Yeah, super handsome. Their podcast has to be good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they've got to know they one know of the members from Bright Bell Bell pretty well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you know anyone that knows Nick Kocher? <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> and with fake fires, the easiest way to do this is to tell them, could you help? No, I don't think this is for you. Like, <laughs> I, I need someone to help me with this, but you don't really know about this, do you? And what do fake buyers do right then and there? I know it. What is it? Of course, of course they do. Give yeah. it to me. Like, yeah. I can learn it. I can learn it. <laughs> I am good enough. Here's a good question. Which biotype or personality would figure out they're being manipulated the quickest? And I guess also which one, which one is the most gullible too? Yeah, and I want to hear, like, what are the tells that would blow your cover about each oh. of those things? And in a little bit of form of manipulation, if you guys want to hear the rest of this episode, go to patreon.com slash RGP development to hear full versions of episodes and more and even join us live for these recordings. Want more Biotypical? Well, good news. There's a longer version of this episode available at patreon.com slash RGP development. There you'll also be able to find ways to get on the podcast yourself, ask questions, as well as watch a live taping remotely. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast and subscribing. Remember to rate this five stars wherever you're listening to it. And we'll see you next time.